Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Behind the Movement. I am Kyle Fincham. My guest today is Brittany Van Schravendijk. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. I'll get to it momentarily. Um, I realized last week I published a uh, new blog, and I forgot to mention it, um, but it's available on my, on my website, kylefincham.com. It's called Atacama. Um, I think I've spoken about bits and pieces of the story that I tell in there on the podcast. Um, so it's more detailed, elaborate with uh, some ideas that I have about, uh, yeah, what we present how we present it and, and, um, you know, what we do after we, we, we hear the stories that are presented to us. So if you're interested, take a look, uh, it's there now. Um, and I appreciate everybody who has, uh, read it and sent me some messages in response. Um, also this summer, um, taking infinite play out on the road and we're going to be doing a, a pretty epic tour. I should say spring and summer. Um, I'm going to read off the dates very quickly, but they're all available on my website, kylefincham.com. But I, I will probably be adding a few more here. Um, but this is what's available right now. And all of them have some sort of early bird pricing, which is also something uh, uh, you can see on the website there. But I'll quickly run through. Um, on May 14th and 15th, uh, I will be in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and that is hosted by my very good friend Shannon Elliott. In, uh, on June 11th and 12th, I'll be in Salzburg, Austria, and that's hosted by Movement Exploration Salzburg. On June 18th and 19th, I will be in Berlin, Germany, and that's hosted by Franz Hilscher. On June 25th and 26th, I will be in Paris, France, and that is hosted by Movement Practice Paris. July 9th and 10th in London, hosted by the London Movement Group. And Lisbon, Portugal, July 16th and 17th, hosted by my good friends at Movement Lisboa, and then July 23rd and 24th in Amsterdam, hosted by Crazy Monkey Movement Amsterdam. That is what is available right now. Uh, as I said, there's a, a early bird pricing available now. Um, so take a look if you're anywhere near there, and if or if you feel like visiting any of those places, I think they're going to be Really fun events. Last year was um, a really great time, so I'm looking forward to doing it again. And uh, who knows? Um, there are a few other events in the works, but I think we also might add some more as we go along here. So I will keep you updated on that. Perfect. Let's get to the podcast with Brittany. Um, I met Brittany, a few, I want to say, a few years ago when she was in New York and popped into Movement Brooklyn when we had the, the brick-and-mortar space and uh, took classes for a day. We got to hang out a little bit. We got to chat a little bit. 
and um, you know, I, I I followed her from afar via social media, and then uh, reached out more recently to invite her for a conversation. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, Brittany, let me give you a little bit of her background. She is a coach and kettlebell partner passing instructor. After being a personal trainer for eight years, a competitive kettlebell athlete for six years, and a lifelong high achiever, she experienced burnout and realized she was unfulfilled. Brittany quit social media, took a step back from work and working out, and embarked on a new path in search of meaning. So far, it's led her to, to discover the importance of prioritizing relationships, finding joy in movement, and being fully present in the here and now. We had such a lovely conversation. Um, I'm super grateful that, uh, that, that Brittany made time for this, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So this is it, my conversation with Brittany Van Schravendijk. So part of the reason when you first reached out to me, I, I didn't get back with you. Well, the first part of it is that I was spending way less time, barely any time on social media. So to some degree, I forgot because I wasn't really communicating with people on social media. The second part is I, over this time during the pandemic, probably like a lot of people, I've been going through just a, you know, inner growth journey. And, and a lot of it was around I was on a certain path and projecting myself a certain way to the world. And I realized that like, I don't, I don't want to be on that path and I don't want to project myself that way to the world. So I was kind of reevaluating a lot of the ways that I had interacted with people and stuff I'd done online and trying to like figure out, okay, how, what do I want to do? And do I even want to do any social media? Do I even want to like do podcasts? Like just, does it feel authentic to what I want to do now? And um, initially I was like, I just, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do a podcast. And so that kind of, I wouldn't, didn't really think about it for a while. So when I started going on social media a little bit more again, uh, I came across your blog and for whatever reason, or I came across your post on Instagram, for whatever reason, I decided to read your blog, probably because I was like, oh yeah, I never responded to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> then, it's like, well, let me read his blog. <laughs> so I read your blog and what, what really struck a chord with me, well, your blog was talking about how, like how kind of finding your own map within movement and not necessarily following, um, I guess it was, it was about getting lost. It was about not using Google maps to just find your way everywhere. And, and part of what, um, getting lost does, I think is help. That's part of like the fun of life, maybe getting lost and seeing what you figure out along the way and not being this cookie cutter. Oh, well, I know exactly where I'm going to go and how I'm going to get there. And that spoke to me in terms of just like feeling lost in my life in general and trying to, approach life with more of a go with the flow. Okay. I'm going to forge my own path. It's okay to be lost. You know, being lost is part of it. Can't get found unless you're lost at some point. So I think your, your article, it just, it was something that I was like at that moment, like wrestling with. And I thought it was cool that you were also applying it to the journey of movement and exercise and wellness and how that um, fits into our lives and how we approach that. Mm. And do you, and 
do you feel like, um, I guess I want to ask like how, how has like that kind of approach to like the willingness to get lost adjusted how you train or practice? Because I know that like, from my experience, like, especially in like real kind of, I don't want to use the word traditional because I don't think it's traditional. I think it's more like modern day kind of training. There's not a lot of space for loss because there's lots of numbers and there's lots of kind of boxes and organization around it. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm curious how you challenge with like a lost paradigm. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I've totally started applying that paradigm to movement as much. I think that's part of why your article spoke to me because um, you are, it seems like you are really like figuring out how to like do your own thing within movement and, and just explore. And I think for most of the time that I've been um, training, it's always been with like an achievement goal focus. So, you know, mm -hmm. when I was competing in kettlebell sport, it was about winning or it was about setting my new personal best. Or, and, you know, when I started doing handstands, it was always about, you know, progressing to the most advanced skill or, oh, now I want to do a one-arm handstand, you know, and, and just taking it further and trying to like achieve. And I think, you know, I really burned myself out that way. And, and I think I realized that um, at a certain point I was like, why am I like chasing all these things and trying to do more, the more advanced thing and just like um, working so hard and honestly not seeing as much progress as you would think for like how much time I put in. And I think um, just taking a step back from, from getting into like that obsession of achieving or like doing this next advanced skill was something that was important for me. It was like just stepping back and being like, well, why am I even doing this? And at some point, like, yes, I, I really love it and enjoy it, but where did that start to blend with just doing it so much that it, you know, it didn't become as enjoyable anymore because my body was, was burnt out. So I think so far it's just looked like taking a step back and um, doing less movement in order to enjoy it more and, and understand more like, why am I doing this? And as I go through the inner process of, of figuring out, you know, who I want to be and why I'm doing the things I want to do, you know, how does movement fit into that, um, mm. in, in, into that why? Cause I think a lot of the, uh, the achievement stuff within movement was mirroring just my approach to life and thinking I needed to like achieve or, or do these go through the ranks of like what people say you need to do to, to be successful. So mm. there's definitely some mirrors there. I, I think, you know, now I, I, I just do a lot less stuff that's based on like advanced skills and it's more for like enjoyment. Like when I do handstands really don't care at this point about a one arm handstand. I'm like, I'm just, I just try to enjoy the practice and do it when I feel like doing it versus trying to, you know, train X amount of times per week to follow the program, to get to the next skill. Cause once you get to the next skill, it's like, well, then you just got to get to the next skill. So you might as well enjoy it, you know, whether you're trying to go for a skill or you're just doing it to have fun. Mm -hmm. Have you come up with like a why yet, or is it still something you're thinking about? In terms of movement? Yeah. Cause you said you're like, you kept kind of returning back to like, well, why am I doing this? Like why, 
like why does this matter or does it matter or like what you know because i i'm with you there's this like especially because you know we're we're both american and like there's a certain kind of uh definition of what achievement is here and then we get kind of caught up on like what that is and it's always some version of like more better best right and like working up some sort of ladder and that's not achievement everywhere and achievement is subjective and it's subjected to individuals and cultures and communities and that's just kind of like oftentimes what's kind of prescribed around here um but maybe it's almost like when you start questioning achievement and you're kind of questioning the why it's like oh like i'm curious like what that leads you to obvious the the obvious why is movement is is like good for your health in many ways so i think the the obvious why is like well it's it's good for you physically and mentally it improves your health and i think i i do really find a lot of joy in movement i think you know it's it's it is a way to express yourself um yeah i think i think it's a yeah, I think it's, it's, I guess it's as simple as that. It's, it, it's healthy and it is a way to, you know, experience joy. I definitely think it's a way to like tune in and get more in tune with yourself because it's like, if you're, you know, obviously if you're disconnected from your physical body, it's harder to be connected to your emotions and like what's going on inside. So I think like tuning in and being in connection with like how your body feels, how your emotions affect the way you feel in your body and all that. Mm. I'm also curious. Uh, I mean, I know people who are listening don't know um, what your relationship is to competition and maybe also kind of just talking about your background competitively, um, because I think that that's interesting as well. And also like when you're kind of questioning these things, because um, it's almost like, I'm, you know, almost approaching everything with like the competitive spirit. Yeah. And then being like, oh, like, maybe that's not, or maybe it is, you know, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I would say I grew up in a family that emphasized competition to a certain degree and like being, you know, achieving and um, always being like somewhat competitive with my, my siblings. So I think that that was something that I just grew up in. And actually my parents are Dutch. So that, that came from like, probably mostly my dad who is Dutch, which, so it's not necessarily an American thing. Um, but I, I, when I started competing in, I, I did like track and field in high school. And then in college, I got into the competitive kettlebell lifting. And I, I just, I think I never questioned, you know, why do I want to compete and win? It just like, doesn't everybody like, doesn't everybody want to win? <laughs> like, that's just what you do. Winning is good. And I think I just, I always felt like I had a internal drive to like be my best and to sort of prove myself, I guess. I think it wasn't until, you know, later on that I started realizing that perhaps there's a part of it where I felt like I needed to prove that I was good enough or I needed to prove that I was worthy. So, you know, competing and and achieving and, and reaching these different levels were part of, I think, feeling like I needed to do something to be worthy. And when you reach a certain level of like success in anything, I feel like people 
certain, some people will like start putting you on a pedestal or looking up to you in certain ways. And I think that I, I enjoyed that feeling and um, it made me like feel better about myself if other people like thought I was, you know, so great. Um, but I think that, you know, that, that comes from like feeling like you're not good enough on your own, like comes from insecurity of like wanting other people to praise you because you don't feel good enough without it. Mm -hmm. So I think that really, like when I, when I started realizing how much I was like searching for validation outside of myself, it, it made me realize, I think how much competition was a part of that. And that competition is, is sort of a way of someone else has to lose in order for you to win. So it's that kind of that concept of like, well, someone else has to go down, but I'm going to feel really great. Or like, I'm going to get all the glory. And I, I don't think people necessarily think about it, always think about it that way when they're competing, like, oh, I just want to put everyone down, but it is like a win lose situation. And I, I think just the more that I've, I've thought about it, do you think that like when you cooperate, that's how, when that's how you get like a win-win, you know, versus everything being competition. And you, you actually recommended that book to me, no contest, which I haven't read yet, but it's sitting on my shelf. It's like my next book I'm about to read. And it's, it's interesting because I, I had a conversation with, with my dad about like competition cooperation and he's an engineer and he was talking about like, it's interesting to notice that in, in a lot of these companies and in the tech world, he works here in Silicon Valley and um, everything is very competitive. And he, he's, he says he can even see how it's like a waste and it's people are like butting heads and being teamed against one another instead of like, oh, what if they fostered this really cooperative environment, which there's probably some companies that do, but I think it's, it's, that would be a way to like really elevate everybody. But I think there's just this habit or this longstanding structure of it being this cutthroat competition that people still cling to, I guess, for, yeah, maybe that feeling of glory or feeling like, you know, you're better if other people go down and you win. Mm -hmm. It um, also kind of, it also sometimes like, like makes me think that it gives us like, or gives people the, the, the feeling that they're like more in control than they actually are. It's like, oh, if you win something, you're like in control. Yeah. And like, it, it, I don't know, maybe there's a small degree of like perpetuating the illusion of like being in control of like an uncertain world. Yeah. I mean, right? how many things do we do to do that? So many <laughs> things to feel like we're in control. Like that was a huge part of my like awakening around things was, oh, how many of these things am I doing just to feel like, I know what I'm doing or just to feel like I know where my life is going or to feel like I'm in control. when the truth is like, I'm really not in control. Like there's, I can do what I can do and then it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And the best we can do is be prepared to not be in control. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is always what I think is kind of like the, the funny thing about certain kind of like mainstream, like fitness, I don't know, anything is that it's like, I don't know, it, it perpetuates that illusion sometimes. Right. And it's just like, what it might actually be doing is continuing to like 
kind of rigify our our mindset, you know, where it's like we 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 feel like we're strengthening our bodies so that we can kind of like mold and control the world or or something like this. But then it's like we're still like not asking our mind to be dynamic and flexible and creative, right? We're almost like continuing to just like narrow in and like you know, not have to be ready for surprise. Like I'm going to know exactly what moves I'm going to do. Yeah. But it's, it's scary too, because we want, I think often we want to think that like someone else has the answer or someone else knows something and then we can just adopt those things and then do that and everything will be fine. We don't really want to look at that. Maybe no one knows the answer. Maybe everybody's just you know, saying their, their understanding of things and trying to push their idea. But um, it's like, the reality is we all have to figure our path out for ourselves. And I think the same goes for, for movement that, you know, oh, people want to know exactly how many sets, how many reps, what exercises are the best. And it's like, I think you get far enough along in your coaching journey and you're kind of like, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I can give you some suggestions of things I like, or, you know, how many sets and reps you do, you know, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. You could go out there and just like, you could, I don't know, to kind of bring it back to like the get lost thing, which is um, what we kind of kicked off with. It's like, if we had the kind of, I don't know, facilitation or maybe the education to like, well, you could just go get lost with any of these things. You could just go and get lost picking things up and moving things around and crawling on things and hanging from things. And like, like that could be the way you do it. Yeah. And then you're, you're developing like kind of the larger things, right? Like maybe you're getting strong, but like, I always say that like a strong doesn't matter if you're not creative and cooperative and adaptable right and then you're just then you're just you know strong for certain situations yeah like I remember when we had talked before you had mentioned that um you know if whatever your your training doesn't actually make you better at life or connecting with other people then it's like what what's the point yeah I've come to think like a lot like about listening you know, like, oh, like, does this thing ask us to listen? Like, because listening is so dynamic because it means that we have to respond. It's like, it's what we're doing right now. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, does this physical endeavor ask for like the equivalent of like what we're doing with this conversation? Because I'm like, ah, that's where it's like interesting, you know? Yeah. And then when we talked, you were started kind of describing the stuff you were getting into. And I got to see some of the videos of uh, the, the partner kettlebell stuff and it's like well that's now you have to listen yeah like it's the presence right it's Mm -hmm. listening means you have to fully be there in Mm -hmm. the conversation or in the situation I think that's um I mean that's like how we get the most out of life is learning how to like command presence and actually be focused and here in the moment and it's Mm -hmm. it's so difficult you even think about like if you ask someone to, to, for 10 minutes, be completely fully present, not think about anything else. It's the same as asking someone to meditate for 10 minutes, right? It's like to be just focused on your breath or completely there. That's so difficult. Like, I feel like n- 
99% of the population probably couldn't do it. Like it's, we don't practice that, especially with nowadays with like our phones and we're constantly doing this, that, and the other thing we're thinking about a hundred things at once, like to, to command your presence and be completely focused is kind of a lost skill. And I feel like it's something that allows for a lot of joy and connection. And because of the, because of the listening, because of the responding, you're able Mm -hmm. to connect more deeply with other people, which I think is ultimately what all of us want or like here on the planet for is like connection. When I think that that means that like every moment can be that thing that you're looking for, right? Where it's like, it doesn't have to be um, like winning the kettlebell thing. Yeah. It can be like every moment can get, can, I just finished watching. Um, I don't know if you've seen it on HBO. They did this series about the, the, the big wave at Nazare. I haven't seen it. No. So in Nazare is where there's like one of the biggest big waves in the world is at. And in the winter, that's like every surfer like descends upon Nazare. And they did this whole HBO series kind of about the history of like surfers discovering it to like present day. And there's this guy named Garrett McNamara, who's one of like the, the, you know, forefathers of big wave surfing. And he was the first one to really start riding this wave. And his dream was to ride a hundred foot wave. And that's the name of the series, the hundred foot wave and talking about the hundred foot wave and the hundred foot wave, hundred foot wave. And that's like the achievement, right? And people are getting close and 75, 80 feet. And he's getting a little older. He's getting some injuries. You know, we're still talking about the hundred foot wave. Um, But then it gets to the end of the series. And they're talking about how like the beauty of big waves is like, because it's so big and it's so dangerous that like, you're, you're asked to be so there and now, mm-hmm. right? And it, and, it, and, it, and it probably just challenges the modern world, world in that way where it's like, you can be other places yeah. on, in day-to-day life, but right then it's like it asks you to be so now, right? They get to the very last episode and he's like, he may not, I don't know. I think he was going to try to surf big waves, but like his, he's been through a lot of injuries. So he's looking at things a little differently and he's kind of slowed down and then the pandemic hit and everything. And he's, it's almost like he says something like, I don't know if I care so much about like riding the wave right now. He was like, I'm going to read it to you because I wrote it down because he actually, this is what it is. So he said, he looks out at his kids out on the beach and he's like, that's the big wave. Like it's happening right now. Like the, the big wave is happening all around me. Yeah. Like I can go ride it right now. And he said, if you're living life, like you're riding the hundred foot wave, you're going to have some pretty great days. And like, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, he's saying like, if you can be right here right now, amazing stuff's happening. Yeah. And that's like, that's like exactly what I mean with like, if you can command presence, if you can be like, I'm going to be really present right now. And I'm just gonna like nothing else. Like this is what matters. That's I think where you find a lot of the like joy and fulfillment in life is because like you said, you can experience it each moment. It's just that we've gotten. So, you know, we get so stuck on like the past or the future and, and those things like, you know, they get loud in your head. It's part of why like meditation or something that does that for you can help you clear it, you know? And that's, like you mentioned with the um, kettlebell partner passing, which I've gotten into in the last couple of years, the point of it is to teach that is to teach you to command presence. Because when you're, when you're tossing a kettlebell with somebody, 
there is risk involved. Like most people who do it or when they first hear about it, they're like, oh, like I, I can't do that. You know, it's scary. And part of the, the reason it's powerful is because there is fear involved in it and there is a risk. So you have to be present. And it's not just about you, but it's about the other person. So because you're passing with somebody else and you're afraid of like hurting someone else or not doing it right for the other person, it kind of heightens that, um, like the demand to be completely and fully present. And the, the cool part about it is, whereas, you know, riding a hundred foot wave, super awesome, super present. When you're passing with somebody, you have to be super present with the other person. So you're experiencing that level of presence with another, which is different from, you know, other things where you would be experiencing like a flow or a really present moment alone. It's this cool thing where it's like, you're together in experiencing the, the present moment, which for me as somebody who's mostly done a lot of training in competitions, like where it's just me is very different to like come into this. And it's something that's, you know, a partner flow state and something that you have to cooperate in order to achieve, you know, you can't control it completely. They can't control it completely. It's something you have to come together to achieve. Mm, Yeah. I love it. I think that like, it also kind of, and this is something like I propose when I present my workshops, but it asks you to like really care for the other person, right? Because yeah. if, you, if you're both caring about the other, there's always somebody caring about you. Mm-hmm. But if you only care about you and the other person's caring about you, well, who's caring about them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, you, you know, to really be like, I'm going to take care of you and you take care of me. Yeah. I love that you incorporate that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's very difficult because I think we're always looking to like, how do I improve me? When like, if we play this other way, we might improve us. Or I don't even want to say improve because I think improve sometimes like insinuates that we're not good enough right now. Like we're all great. Yeah. But how do we help each other learn? Yeah. And how do we learn more so that we can go do things together? Yeah. It's interesting because we, we get this focus on ourselves, even though we know, like, there's so many people that talk about this. I'm sure they've done like studies that like, you're, you're more happy when you focus on like helping other people, or you focus on like doing, you know, charity work, or you focus outside of yourself than if you get like, I think depression and anxiety are things that happen from us, like being too focused on ourselves or too stuck inside our mind with our own thoughts. So I think there's a lot of benefit and value to like finding things that cause you to like really focus on caring for the other person. Because I think in doing that, you also end up developing better care for yourself. And if Mm -hmm. you just focus on yourself, like there is carryover, of course, if you learn and improve yourself, there's carryover to your relationship with other people. Um, but I think there is such a thing as like getting too stuck in your own stuff. Like you're talking about, I got to be better. I got to be better versus um, if you're focusing and, and helping things be better, like you will just be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, do you feel like, uh, like I, the partner kettlebelling at what point in this kind of like, I don't know, these like observations and rethinking, maybe we'll call it awakening, whatever it is. 
at what point did that arrive? Was that kind of at the beginning and played like a, like a catalyst to it, or was it like a like a discovery through this process? Um, well, it it's definitely it was definitely like intertwined. So a lot of this discovery came on when I met my boyfriend, who is the founder of Kettlebell Partner Passing. So it it came at the same time because he. Um, he's very, very wise man. And he's, uh, he imparts like the lessons and things that he's learned throughout his life through this like system that he created with the partner passing. So a lot of like realizations I had came from, you know, different conversations and things that happened in our relationship. And, you know, he was teaching me the partner passing also. And so they definitely like came along at the same time. And, you know, since then I've started passing with different people and had these, you know, continuing like growth and realizations because each time you pass with someone different, I mean, every time you pass is different, even with the same person, but with different people, there's like different things that happen because there's different adjustments you have to make. Like you're, you know, everybody has different chemistry. So when you pass with somebody, those things kind of come up, like what's your natural chemistry? Do you have to work at it? Like, how do you communicate? Like these different things have come up and that's like furthered the, the learning. So I would say they, def- they definitely like went hand in hand for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I also, you know, have heard a lot of stuff directly from my boyfriend about his, um, about what he's put into the system and how he's, you know, integrated these concepts and how you can, you know, look at these different parts of the system and, oh, that's like, you know, this thing, what happens when passing is like this thing that happens in life when you're relating with, you know, either your partner or your, your brother or your sister, friend, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting to, to take this tool that's so like kind of synonymous with like almost like individual training and utilizing it to like, support communication. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I I mean, I definitely feel like a lot of my kettlebell training leading up to this and starting to teach this was almost like all preparation to get to a place where it's like, Oh, now I can use the kettlebell to help people with these like deeper meanings. Cause you know, part of the like awakening, I guess was, was at times just feeling like, okay, what am I doing with my job and being like a personal trainer? Like, is this really feel meaningful to me? Like, not that there's not meaning in helping people be healthier and fitter, but for me, the way that I was coaching, it was like, okay, so I'm helping people with some of this stuff, but I also see that they're, they have deeper issues that are preventing them from really like getting as much out of it. Like there's other things going on with them that are affecting them more than anything that I can help them with by telling them how many, you know, sets or reps to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's really cool to now be able to teach something that there's so much deeper meaning to it. Like if you're open to it, you know, you could pass and all you see is that you're passing a kettlebell and getting a workout, but if you're open to it, you know, there's a lot of lessons you can take just like you could take from really any style of movement or that you could take from doing art or that you could take from music or whatever it is that your, you know, either your creative expression is or whatever way you're connecting with yourself or with someone else. So do you, do you do personal training now or are you, are you going in a different direction? 
Um, I, I still do a little bit, like I do some programming and, and do some virtual training with people. Um, and I'm, I'm still in the process of figuring out like, what, what do I want my business to look like moving forward? Cause I definitely see it as being something more like a combination of movement with things that feel like deeper and, and holding more meaning and helping people at like a, a deeper level. So what exactly that looks like, I'm not sure. Um, so I'm, I'm still doing some training and then I'm teaching like KPP, the kettlebell partner passing workshops, and then figuring out what, you know, what other, what my new offering would look like as far as the coaching space. Yeah. It's amazing, right? How like, uh, like through COVID, like it created like this, this space for like these types of kind of like, I don't know. For some people, I would say rethinking of values. And maybe for others, I would say like actually simply like having the opportunity to like think about values for the, maybe the first time ever. Yeah. That's been the good part, I think, about the pandemic is making people slow down and like having time, more downtime to think. You know, I think as it's gone on longer and longer, I think the isolation has been negative, but in the beginning, I feel like some of that isolation and slowing down was necessary to some degree. At least it felt that way for me. Yeah. I mean, when you and I, cause we did like a, like a pre-call um, when we were chatting, you were just like on a walk. And I think you said you were like, Oh, like I, I think you said you do this like regularly. You were just like, Oh, I just like go for a walk. Right. right. And just go and like, and, and, and be with it. Right. And like the willingness right. to just like go and just like go for a walk is something where you're like, Oh, like in the fast paced world, that's a different, you know, might be a different way of like looking at it and be like, Oh, like time might mean something different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, for me, it's just shifted so much about my, my priorities and where I wanted to focus my energy. And, you know, I think through, through the, the discovery of stuff for myself, I realized that like, um, working out and working, we're both ways that I would keep myself like really busy to avoid other things mm-hmm. <laughs> or to avoid like, am I on the right path? Is this really what I want to be spending my time doing? It's just easy to like keep yourself busy because if you, you're busy, you kind of feel like you're being productive. So you feel good. Everything's fine. But you know, when, when the pandemic came and kind of like took, at least it took like some work to a certain degree, like had to change. And I had like a lot more time suddenly, which, uh, initially didn't feel very good. Cause it was like me, you know, having to like sit with myself and face the, the uncomfortable things that, that came up. Um, but overall, you know, it was, it was a good thing. And it, it led to me moving from San Diego back to the Bay area where I grew up mostly because a lot of the things that were coming up for me that I was struggling with were related to my family. And I realized that like I needed to move back and kind of work on certain things in my relationship with my parents. And that was something I never, wanted. like, I never wanted to move back here. I was <laughs> like, oh, why would I move back? You know, but it was, it was necessary, I think for like my personal growth. And I was like, you know, upon making this decision, I was like, okay, well, people make decisions all the time to like prioritize their, their job over whatever else but how often are they going to make a decision to like prioritize relationships before anything else? And I was like, you know, I, I, 
if I think about what really matters to me, like my relationship with my family is, is one of the most important things in my life. So it was like, why wouldn't I like move to focus on those relationships? You know, if I have the opportunity and the ability to do that, it's, it's uh, pretty important, I think, you know, and I, I think our parental relationships very much shape a lot of like who we are, or at least who we think we are to, to a certain age. Mm. And that's really, uh, yeah, I kind of got like a, a chill when you started talking about this, because I was thinking about the idea of, uh, you know, achievement and achieving or success being like a subjective thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, you know, you're talking about like, you know, job and like moving for job because like, you know, then we'll be more successful and we'll achieve more with the job. And ultimately we're talking about money at that point. Right. And that's like often the measure of success. And as you said, like, we don't always value relationships, but that can be a, a measure of achievement and a measure of success. And, and it might matter quite a bit, you know, like to me, I might say it matters more to me than some of the other things. Right. Um, but the reason it gave me a chill was because, um, over Thanksgiving, I had like a, an interaction with a family member where I should backtrack a little bit around Thanksgiving. I decided to host for my family a, a 15 toast dinner, which is if anyone has ever read the book, um, the art of gathering, she talks about this thing, 15 toasts where everybody comes together and they're given a topic and everybody has to at some point throughout the evening, give a toast, but tell a story that no one else in the room has heard about that theme or topic. Yeah. I, propo- I proposed this and I was surprised when everybody in my family decided to do it. And it turned into like um, this crazy event where like every man in the family was like crying. And it was like this like wow, groundbreaking so thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty like moving night, but fast forward a little bit. One of the people in my family had told this, he, he was the first one to really have this like moment where he was basically saying that like he had, he had not prioritized relationships, you know, with people in his life, friendships, children, and like, you know, and now he's in his seventies or something. And it's like, you know, I don't have that stuff. And I, and I, and I, and I haven't had it and it's breaking down crying. Um, so then fast forward, like we're, we're having this conversation a few days later and he's, he starts kind of uh, challenging me on like achievement, talking about like the, the success he's had with his business and all this and everything. And then jumps on me about not being an achiever in the same way and, and said some pretty hurtful things, but I, I didn't react because I was just like, this is the thing this is the thing that you just described a few days ago. Like, this is that moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where like, like it was a, it was a, it was a valuable piece in, in, in a, in a great experience, but it's like, Oh, now I see how this thing manifests. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, Oh, like quick to return to back. Like, Oh, well, this is actually what achievement is. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, I think when you choose to walk like a different path and you choose to, stray from like what society says you should do. I think you end up finding that people would challenge you almost at every turn (laughs) or question it. And it can be really difficult because I, you know, I've had stuff like that happen within my family and my family 
bringing up certain things and me feeling like they just, they just are looking at it from a different perspective, but it's, it's still difficult to like stay to the path that's true for you when, you know, especially people you love are kind of questioning it or why aren't you doing this or shouldn't you be doing that? You know, it's, it's difficult. And that's where you have to like really figure out what's true for you and like what's most important for you. Cause I mean, if you, I, I like to, I like to think about death fairly often, <laughs> not mm-hmm. to take this to a, to a morbid place or anything, but kind of, I think it's really useful to think about like, okay, on my deathbed, like, am I going to care about this more or this more? Like, which one is going to have mattered more? You know, like when you're on your deathbed, are you going to care that your business was so successful and you had a lot of money? Or are you going to care that like you prioritize your relationships and you have, you know, all this love and these memories and these people that you've had these like cherished moments with? Like, I think those are the things that you're going to remember. Like then, you know, those are the things that I think are going to help make that like transition from life to death, like easier knowing that you, you know, you valued those things that were most important to you. Yeah. That like um, you were asked to be in places where you had to listen, right. To kind of like bring it back around a little bit. Like that's like, there's a reason why like swinging a kettlebell alone feels a certain way and swinging a kettlebell between a person, between two people feels a certain way. Right. And yeah, it just like it, it 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 asks you to come alive and 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 be participatory and cooperative and 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 it matters. And obviously, it's like oh, we also need to like you know support ourselves and support our families and all these things. But it's like you know we sometimes we kind of get caught up with abundance, maybe. Yeah, and the reality is, yes, it's good to plan for the future to a certain degree, and we also don't know like that that future is guaranteed. It's like, all you, all you know, is that you have today, you have the moment, like, what are you making of today? So I think there's a balance to be had between those things. And I would agree with you that I think we're too much in that thought of like, well, the future, the future, the future. And it's like, well, what about like in between now and the future? Like, am I supposed to be living and like being present and listening and enjoying? Or do I just have to stress about the future and then suddenly I'm old and the future is here and like my life's behind me? Mm-hmm. I'm curious about, because um, you, you, you said, I think you said you took like a pause from like social media stuff, right? Yeah. Um, being somebody like you, who has like, you know, a certain amount of like social media presence, right. Um, which I assume meant like there was a time where you had to spend quite a bit of time probably on social media. Like, um, yeah, I just like love your reflections on that because I think that it's, it's interesting and and probably relevant for your, to your story, but also relevant to like, I don't know, like what, what, what people might go through on the regular. Yeah. Social media. Um, I, I, I shared with you, a, an email series that I sent out to my mailing list. And in that I talked about like why I quit Instagram and I, I called it like the Instagram idol. I, guess. <laughs> I you know, I started Instagram kind of recording like my like kettlebell training and competitions and posting some tips for people. 
Um, and over the years, it just kind of merged into, I would say a similar thing that I was talking about with like people looking up to you. So you get kind of a good feeling from that, or I did, um, a similar thing that I enjoyed sort of the like fame of Instagram or being like an influencer. Right. And it, it just, I think it was, it really, it wasn't an addiction, um, to like the likes and the, you, you get this idea that like something is happening when you're doing stuff on Instagram and it's like getting traction. And if you've been on it for a certain amount of time, you start to like see what things get you that traction and what get you the likes, which, you know, is like the addiction, right. Of people, you know, validating you. Or for me, it was definitely like something that furthered that like seeking for external validation or attention from people to, you know, make myself feel good about, about myself. Um, that, you know, when, when you start to post the things that people like, like, it became more about like posting what people like instead of it being like more authentic. And part of what people liked is if I wore less clothes and I was doing these like kind of party tricks or like feats of strength or things that people thought were impressive. So it sort of started moving in the direction of like my Instagram becoming that, which is kind of what every other person on Instagram or every other woman on Instagram, men too, to some degree, like start doing to like get attention from people. So, you know, you're wearing your sports bra and your shorts and you're doing this thing. And then all the people are like liking and sharing your thing. But at a certain point you're like, what is this? Like, what am I really getting out of this? What am I really doing this for? And I, I, I do think that I, um, I tried to be authentic to the level that I could be, that I was aware of myself at that time. And I definitely think I, you know, I posted helpful stuff about coaching also, but I began to realize that that stuff was just becoming like more and more dominant. And when I really like took that time and the pandemic, like during the pandemic to like reflect and think about it. I was just like, I don't want to do that anymore. I feel like that's taking me down a path that I don't, I don't really want to be on. Um, and I don't, I don't want to seek like validation from people to tell me I'm, I'm good enough. And I don't really want to just, you know, perpetuate the idea that I am above anybody or that I'm better than anybody or that, you know, because I can do these, you know, physical things that, that somehow makes me, um, someone that people like look up to just because they, they can't do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it really, I had to take time off because I didn't want to be addicted to social media anymore. I, I mean, I realized at one point, like I got, I was spending so much time on social media that was like, at one point I found myself kind of being like, what would I do if I didn't have Instagram? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like I I'm that like addicted to it that like, I don't know like how I would spend a certain amount of my time because, you know, it became more about like when I was doing, when I was in the gym or doing training, Oh, I got to get video footage of this. I got to get footage of this. I got to get footage of this so I can post it all on my Instagram. And it's like it, that, that very much takes you out of, the present, you know, that's your, you're now living for this, like posting stuff on an app so you can look at it later and people can like tell you you're great. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's, 
there's some good things to social media, but over overall, I feel like it's such a time suck and such something that takes you so much out of the present and so much puts you in like a comparison trap also. Um, and I think, I think it's hard not to, if you're posting all the time, especially if it's like a, you know, it's specifically about you and your, you know, skills. I think it's hard not to take a certain level of like validation from that. And not to say that all of that is bad, but I think it can be something that's ultimately not, not really helping you just, you know, connect with yourself, connect with other people and, and be present. So I found that for me, like I needed to take time away from that and just kind of reevaluate. Do I really want to, you know, draw attention to myself that way? Cause to some degree, when I look back at like how I was using it, a lot of it is just like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And mm -hmm. that's that thing of like being focused on yourself instead of really being focused on, you know, connecting with other people, listening to other people and, um, yeah, figure, figuring out how you can be of service in a more meaningful way than just calling attention to yourself for feats of strength or your body or things like that. So what is your relationship with it now? My relationship with it now is that I mostly use it to promote things for kettlebell partner passing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I don't really like post much. Um, I posted like the Instagram live thing today, but I, I rarely, like, I don't really post on my profile anymore. I've, I've considered like, do I want to delete it altogether? Um, and then I feel like part of me kind of goes, well, you have like a following on there. You can use it to promote stuff. Who knows? I, I may still delete it at some point, but right now it's, I mostly use it if like there's something I want to promote. I have this vision of, uh, so I don't have the Instagram app on my phone anymore. I like deleted the app and Smart. then if I want to post something, I download the app, but then I realize like, oh, I can, I can log on through Safari, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But then I always log out, but like, you know, you go through this process of like, like it's, you get pulled back in. It's really um, easy. Yeah. I have this vision of like, because uh, I know I, I really don't want to like be there. Yeah. I have this vision of just like eventually one day just being like, you can like, you know, connect with me in my email and here's a newsletter. So like sign up here just in like, it's just like newsletter and then like never long on, log on again. Yeah, I because mean it, that's because that's I think what it's a I dark place. A long time, like yeah. I, I didn't, and um, well, you can't. I mean, you can even. I mean, you could schedule stuff on Facebook for Instagram, and then you could like not even like go on it. But mm -hmm. I, it's, I was laughing at you saying that because I also discovered you can log on from a browser because I don't have the app. I'm, I do the same thing. I delete the app, and then if I oh, I really want like should post something. Okay, I'll I'll download the app. Um, mm -hmm. but mostly I've, you know, I just stopped using it. And honestly, a lot of the people I used to communicate with on Instagram, you know, I, I, some of those people, like I thought were my friends and they just like, we just never really like talked again. And I realized that the relationship wasn't really real because it was over Instagram and mm. anybody who really wanted to communicate with me, 
like they could email me, you know, like my email's on there. So I was like, you know what, if they really, if they really care about connecting or they're really interested in something, my, my contact is on there. They can email me, you know, otherwise a lot of times I think when people message on, on social media, it's like they'll message, but if you don't respond, they'll probably forget about it, you know, and it's like not a super serious inquiry oftentimes I've found. So it's not to say that social media didn't like, it definitely helped me grow my, my mailing list. And, you know, I think direct translation from social media to like actual business results, not, not super high in my experience. Hmm. I like the, um, I forget if it was on your Instagram or if it was on your mailing list, but it was like, it was almost like the last thing that you posted. And I have no idea when it was, it was this like, like wonderful little timeline that you made in the mm-hmm. last, and it was like the last photo was of you. I think it was like holding a, like a, a cake or something yeah, in like a sundress. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was like fun because it was like all these photos of you, like, I don't know, handstands or kettlebells or like this or that. And then all of a sudden just like you like holding a cake for like, tw- what is it? 2020, whatever, whenever you yeah, posted so that it, was. That was like a photo created of like my, my transformation because I knew this would capture people's like the way people, people like transformation photos. Right. And my (laughs) transformation is like, it's not a typical one. It's not like an overweight to fit or, or something like that. It's like, um, kind of fluctuated from like, I was smaller and then I like got bigger and then I like eventually came around to like being healthier and sort of in the middle. And that was me. It was me actually holding a, a cake made out of um, watermelon and melons that my, uh, my partner's mom made for me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was just like, I was really happy. My, you know, my workouts were way more balanced. I was like getting to a better place with my personal growth. And it was like totally different from where I was in these other pictures. So to me, it was like a good, representation it's like the title was like this is not your typical transformation yeah i i i think that the it's great because i think that like you know i think when you and i both met we were both probably training like a ton Mm -hmm. you know i have no idea what the hours a week were but i'm sure it was something similar yeah Um, i remember you told me about like your training protocol was like four hours a day yeah like multiple times a day yeah yeah and you know, I think that these things are important because I think sometimes like some of this stuff is like stigmatized, Mm -hmm. like having a slice of cake or going for a walk or spending time with people, having a conversation, playing a game, like, like, because it's like, oh, well, it gets in the way of like the, the other stuff that you're like the, the work. Yeah. And the grind. uh, Exactly. And I, and I really believe that like, I don't know, sitting and like having a beer with somebody matters deeply, like really, really matters. Like, you know, and, or, or having an espresso or going for a walk or whatever it is, but like, just really like being with someone matters and it might matter more. Right. And maybe today on this day, you and I both, both might say, it matters more. Everything is obviously like dynamic and like at different times in your life, but like it does matter. And I think that it's, it's like, I don't know, maybe just important that people feel like the freedom to be like, oh, this person invited me out for a coffee. 
like maybe maybe that really like matters to just like be with somebody yeah yeah and i feel like now now more than ever with like the isolation so many of i mean everyone has experienced i think it it does really matter you know it was interesting um i was talking with my mom and one of her friends the other day and i said something about how like you know mental health issues have like gone way up during the pandemic and she was like have they gone way up or have they just become has it just become clear that they were there and they just like surfaced you know and i think mm. that's definitely an interesting thought you know because i think we're not super well adapted for the stressful world that we've created and i think that so many people struggle with their their mental health and it's just that this time of reflection has maybe reflection and isolation has perhaps just brought certain things to the surface that were hidden underneath all the, you know, the grinding and the achieving and the busyness, you know, I, I definitely could say that for myself. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that like we can use kind of like grinding as a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a, uh it's a convenient one, especially in like the world where it says we're supposed to be doing things for so much of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't, I, I, I'm, I also think that like the being with people matter because it's like, you know, we have these, these nervous systems. I think sometimes people, especially maybe in science, they might say that they have been designed, but like they're not designed. They've like evolved to, right. To like communicate. And this is something I, I come back to quite a bit, but it's like, if we're not communicating with spaces and we're not communicating with people and having like our internal communication, then like our nervous system is malnourished. Yeah. Right. Because we haven't evolved past that yet. So yeah. like if we're only alone and we're only in sanitized spaces, like, like we have all these senses and all these things that are actually there to like, you know, to, to, to like full body, listen to things. Yeah. And if and that's what not happening, do, yeah. If it's not happening, right. What happens to those, they maybe grow mm -hmm. dull or who, who mm -hmm. knows what <laughs> go on overdrive, trying to find something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that like the things that are, um, maybe I mentioned this on here, but I got to take a, a, a workshop online with Fighting Monkey and Linda uh, was teaching it. And she said something so profound. It was something we were doing that was like quite simple, but she said, she was like, this is simple, but simple doesn't mean that it's easy. And I was like, oh, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's like yeah. we chase these big things as if like, that's where, you know, like chasing the, the kettlebell championship, like that's actually like where joy lies. Yeah. But it might be simpler. Like it might just be you and someone else like in the grass, tossing it back and forth. Yeah. You know, simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason for that quote. That's like what it's, it's simple things in life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, how often are you are you teaching as part of like the um it's the uh kettlebell partner passing is that what it yeah yeah mm -hmm. 
Well, we just started doing workshops again. We did a, our first one last November since mm. like the pandemic obviously made it a bit challenging. Mm. And then we did one in, in January and um, that one is, was in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're doing one in Santa Monica in, uh, at the end of March. Mm-hmm. So um, every, every few months or so, hopefully we, we pick up some more places. You know, the, the, the one in Santa Monica kind of came from someone who came to the previous workshop. So we're going to, we'll see what comes out of like going to Santa Monica and introducing people to it there. Ideally, we'd like to like have people doing like, monthly meetups of just meeting up, meeting up as a group and just passing like on the beach or at a park or something. I think that's really purpose of it would be to help people like grow community around like doing the passing, you know, and having this like partner and communal experience because the workshops, the goal is to get everybody by the end to get everybody to pass with everybody. So everybody's had this time to, you know, be, be, have this intimate experience with everyone else in the workshop. And it's interesting to see, it was cool to see at the last workshop, like before the workshop, everybody's kind of standing around kind of nervous, you know, and by the end, everybody was chatting like they had known each other for years, you know? So to just to see the, the difference in the level of comfort and like the connection that had happened through the workshop was really cool. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. You probably experienced something similar when you, when you do your workshops. Oh man. I've learned that like the workshop doesn't end at whatever five o'clock when it ends, like, because of like that thing, it's like, once we, once you're really with people and you're like interacting, communicating, like having these authentic interactions, the thing continues. Like all of a sudden we're like at dinner and then we're at ice cream shops and then like, you know, we're here and there. And then it's like 11 PM and you're like, okay, like, we got to do this again tomorrow. So like bedtime has to happen at some point because it's like, you know, like, you know, joy and fun, you know, come from like being creative with other people. And that's what this is. It's like, you know, you're, or, or being creative and being creative with other people is so magical. And yeah, like then, then there's like a, a connection that's made and you're like, oh, well, I don't want that to stop. Like fun is like the, the thing that like keeps everybody awake. Yeah. And it's like, keeps us going. yeah. And that comes after that you know, experience that you guys have together. And then it's like, oh, it like opens up this whole new way of, like you said, to connect really authentically. And that's, it's not something that's super common, you know, in our, our world. So if you get into like a group where it feels like that, yeah, it's like, you want to, you want to prolong the, mm-hmm. the, those feelings. So when you guys do it, it's not competitive. It's just, it's just passing for the sake of passing. I mean, it's love it. I love it. It's a lot of like people confronting their fears, you know, and Mm. um, you know, we have a a part of the safety protocol. It's called the three count safety protocol. So before you start passing, whoever's starting, they have to make eye contact with their partner and ask them if they're ready. So they say, are you ready? And so their partner, you know, says yes or no. And if they Mm -hmm. say yes, they have to maintain that eye contact while the person who's taking the bell, they're going to swing. They're going to go one, two, and on three, they're going to pass the bell, but on one and two, they have to maintain eye contact. And if they don't, you got to start, set the bell down and start again. Part of it is for like, you know, connecting with your partner and getting, you know, starting that like flow state together. But part of it is also just like, 
you got to be on the same page of like when this cannonball is flying at you. So <laughs> the person loses eye contact and looks over there. It's like, they're not ready, you know, like they got to be dialed in. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, that definitely brings people like to face a lot of stuff. Cause you know, most people know like making eye contact with somebody and like in silence can be quite intimidating or scary or vulnerable and it's something that like for two guys is doesn't really happen unless they're like facing off and they're gonna fight so for Mm -hmm. them to do it in a setting where like it's a vulnerable way of doing that that might be really uncomfortable for some men you know for for men versus women it can also be uncomfortable you know it's like can be very like intimate which might be uncomfortable and you know similarly for women that there could be like either a competition or just a discomfort depending on their you know whatever is going on with them so that alone like the eye contact portion can be pretty tough for people and then Mm -hmm. just getting people to you know be okay with you know throwing the bell and then eventually catching the bells catching the bell is is pretty scary for people so you know the the workshop work beginner workshops we do it's kind of working with that stuff and working with people's fear and getting them to be able to find like a flow with first with the instructors and then with the other people in the workshop so that process of just getting to you know the basic pass and being able to pass is what we what we go through in the initial workshop so there's yeah it's it's not about competition it's about um getting into flow with your partner about like cooperating I just love it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think it's amazing. It's like, it's like I said, it's like, it's passing for the sake of passing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for that. It's for that like flow, you know, it's for deepening that connection with the other person. And again, there's, there's like levels you can, you can go through. So once you master like the two hand pass, which takes a while to learn how to like, you know, pass the bell in the right way. There's like single arm passing, like outside the body, between the legs, around the legs. And then eventually you would go into, it's called like freestyle kettlebell partner passing. So it's just like, um, I don't know if you, you perhaps have seen videos of that if you've looked at the Instagram, but it's, um, you just flow with like what the bell is doing. So your partner passes you the bell and, and essentially you can do whatever and move around, but it's, it's not choreographed. It's ideally like it's a flow. So you, as you receive the bell, you have to like kind of feel what it like wants to do. And your partner has to be able to sort of read your body language and know where to be in order to then catch it and return it to you. So it's this very dynamic interplay of like ultimate partner flow. And you, you really have to like understand your partner's body language and how to like do that dance with them essentially. Yeah. So it's like, you're like, you, 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 you build to the place of like full kind of like improvisation between you and another person in a kettlebell. Yeah, exactly. It's, I think when I, to me, when I, I haven't done a ton of the freestyle stuff yet, cause I'm still mastering all the, all the stuff underneath that, but it's the few times I've done it and in like watching, watching it, it's, um, that's like the ultimate way to like flow with the kettlebell. Like there's no real boundaries on it you can move however you want you know you toss the kettlebell flip it however whatever direction behind your back who knows depends depends what your skill set is obviously um but it it obviously requires uh 
building up the foundation of all those things so that when you get there, you're able to just flow with it. You know, if somebody just grab a kettlebell and just try to do freestyle right off the bat, they probably, you know, they'd have two moves and it wouldn't really feel like the same freedom of expression, but building like the, the foundation of those different things you can do when tossing the kettlebell can lead to this, you know, dance where you have, you know, all this freedom to do different things. And of course, how complex you can get is dependent on not just your skills, but like your, you and your partner and how you're able to like read one another and work with one another. Mm, I love this. I feel like uh, the next time uh, I'm out there, I've got to like uh, join you guys for this. Cause it sounds oh, you would I don't love know, super, it. super up my alley when we get, when you're, when we're talking about this stuff, it sounds amazing. Oh, you, I was going to say, I was like, you, have you, have you done much with kettlebells or I have swung my fair share of kettlebells. Okay, cool. So you know yeah. how to swing. So that's great. Yeah, that's, I know how I know I know how to swing a kettlebell for sure. Perfect. So you you're ready to get into a into a KPP workshop. I I think you would really enjoy the the exploration of it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm the next time I'm in California, I'm like whatever. At the very least we throw together like an impromptu like you know, kettlebell passing totally situation. Yeah. Um is there anything else that you have coming up that, uh, that people should know about? Um, no, that's, that's the main thing. The end of the March, the workshop, um, besides okay. that, I'm, I'm working on building a membership site, but I haven't totally like figured out all everything about how I want it to look. So it'll likely be like a, um, it'll have like pro fitness programs mm-hmm. and kettlebell programs and, um, I'm planning to incorporate more like holistic stuff in the form of just like different things I talk about on videos and different like blog posts and stuff like that. So that'll be at some point in the, hopefully this year, but we'll see. I feel like I'm still developing like what exactly I want it to look like. Okay. And if people want to contact you, not through Instagram, email is <laughs> the way. Email or just like if they go to my website, kbfitbrit.com and they um, contact me through there. The info is on there. So that's usually the easiest way for people to get in touch. 